right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Life, Liberty, and the Pursued podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Robert. And Thanks welcome. Thanks for joining us again this week. We're excited to be here. And just in case you aren't right now, check us out on Twitter at LLNP Podcast. And it's spelled out. And you can also check out our website, LLPPodcast.com. Check us out on iTunes and Google Play. It's where you can find all of our latest episodes. And the link is in the Twitter. So you should follow us on Twitter, not only because we have a lot of cool stuff to share with you during the week, but also because that's the easiest way to find our SoundCloud episodes. That's right. And you know, we were talking about it last week. We might be having to get an Instagram later, Mike. Isn't that right? That's true. We're we're mulling it over. We're thinking about um, upping our social media game, getting on the gram. <laughs> the Instagram, though. Not, the not Instagram, like Coke that is. grams. Not, not the regular gram. Not the long, drawn-out gram. We want the Instagram. Fantastic. So, That's right. What are we going to talk about today, Mike? It's kind of like what we're just talking about right now. Social media and the American dream. <laughs> Social media is the American nightmare. That's true. It's it the is, international nightmare. It has or, caused us so much pain over the last couple of years, I swear. Although, um, I don't know. There have been those like incidents where people report those. I don't know. People report, I don't know, like crises through social media. Remember, that was like one of the big selling points of Twitter when it first came out. Well, it was like the instant... Um, you know, like the phone tree thing we were talking about last uh, <laughs> last week or the week before, or whatever that was. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, it, that's a good use of Twitter. But the problem is that you know, I just kind of jumped on Twitter very recently. I didn't really have one up till, gosh, probably about a year ago, and I don't really use it much. You know, my personal Twitter anyway, not the LL Twitter tree. Do what? You guys don't have a Twitter tree like for emergencies. No, no, my, my, you know, obviously since we work, we're not in school anymore, Mike, but my office doesn't like Twitter. We, uh, not only do we not like Twitter, we don't like, um, technology at all. We still do a lot of things on pen and paper. Um, it's really aggravating. We don't use our computers the way we should. Nobody listens to what anybody says. <laughs> it's kind of, you know, it's kind of like a nightmare altogether. Yeah. It's like, uh, working back in the seventies. Or Good in times. my case, <laughs> like what? said, or like in my case, 2017. <laughs> yeah, either or. But uh, yeah, aside from our uh, our little social media diatribe, I think today's discussion is uh, we're going to talk about the American dream. Um, there was a lot of stuff that came out at the end of last year talking about how millennials, in particular, are perceiving the american dream to be dead and that's based off a couple of different surveys i guess or maybe one large survey that was conducted so i think we're, we'll chat about that today all right well how about this so american dream mike you answer this first do you think it's actually dead let's do this first what is the american dream let's define it i think it's a life liberty and the pursuit of happiness that's what i think it is so the american dream is just simply that. Life, simply that. liberty, and the ability to pursue your happiness. Absolutely. That's what I really think it is. I mean, I think a lot of people will define it as, you know, the ability to 
I don't know, pick yourself up by your bootstraps, if you will, and you can do anything that you ever dream of. Right. I don't, I don't think that's true. Um, cause I don't think it's possible. I never think it was actually possible. I think certain people can do that. Certain hardworking people can pull themselves up by their bootstraps and come over here and, you know, immigrate to the U S and, um, you know, start companies, make millions, whatever it is, or, you know, just, I, I, maybe it's not make millions, Mike, maybe it's just make a, a comfortable living and be happy about it. I don't know. Yeah. So that, I think that's the most interesting thing is like when you start to try to define the American dream, because like, I think the concept of the American dream kind of got popularized around the turn of the century when we started having our, um, I guess, you know, our waves of immigration come through Ellis Island because that's what everyone was talking about is all of our immigrants were, were looking for the American dream. And I think that kind of entailed, you know, home ownership, um, being able to, to make a living wage and, and care for your family and, and uh, to assert freedoms as well, um, kind of like you were talking about too, being able to pursue, you know, like religious freedom and stuff like that. I think that all kind of got packaged into what was referred to as the American dream. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, we, we were both born here, Mike. So, I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, so I, I think immigrants have a different really perception of the American dream a, a, than we do. Right. You know, I agree because, and I know growing up, like I, whenever, I mean, not that I, young Mike dwelled on this subject a lot, but did you not whenever, huh? Did you not? Oh, I was going to say like, whenever I, I did think about the American dream though, I didn't think of it necessarily in those terms. I would always think of it in more financial terms or business terms. Like the American dream is, you know, the ability for anybody from any background to be able to uh, start a business, you know, and succeed in that business more of like, you know, the Rockefeller type stories. That's what I always, in my mind was the American dream portrayed. So most people uh, that are protesting right now would probably say that the American dream is dead because they don't think they have the ability to do the things you just said because the deck is stacked against them. Yeah, and you would agree with them, though. Me? Yeah, that's kind of what you just said. You thought the American dream was dead a, a few moments ago because you don't think people do have that ability to... You, you said cert, only certain hardworking... What I meant was smarter people. I didn't... I had, <laughs> it had nothing to do with race, religion, anything like that. It was about smarter people being able to pull themselves up and, and make it and achieve the dream. I think Smarter that, than who? Smarter than the masses. So the elites, no, the, not the one percent. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Because not all of them are smart. I mean, <laughs> you got to look at people that have money. Some of them are just, you know, they inherited money. I'm talking about people that have nothing that come over here or that live here and build themselves up and actually make something of themselves. And they don't have to make millions of dollars. That's not the case. But I think that everybody no matter what, does have the ability as long as they've got a brain in their head. So I guess that just like boils down to, I mean, obviously the American dream is tied to success because that's, that's, the, whole, that's the whole point is achieving success 
um, I guess on your own terms is kind of, would you agree? Yeah. Would have to kind of that definition achieving success on your own terms equals the American dream. And then, but then again, like how do you define success? Like X dollar amount makes you successful or each individual having one home, two homes, each individual will have to define success for themselves and see if they're going to hit it or not. You know, it, yes, some people might say, you know, let's, I want to own 15 homes and I want to own 75 cars and that's my, my version of success. But some people that have nothing maybe just want to send their kids to college and have a house or be able to, you know, support themselves and have a better future than they would have wherever they came from. That's possible. Um, and I don't, I don't think that, uh, that part of it's dead per se. Um, I just, I think the deck is stacked against people that are stupid. So I am to help us along a little bit. I just pulled up dictionary.com typed in the American dream. It's, it's actually a noun who knew according to dictionary.com. It says the ideals of freedom, equality, and opportunity traditionally held to be available to every American. And then it also says a life of personal happiness and material comfort as traditionally sought by individuals in the U.S. So I think we pretty much nailed it. There. Well, there you go. How about that? Yeah. I didn't, see, I didn't think we were that smart, but apparently <laughs> we're just as smart as dictionary.com. We're just rocking our American dream right now. So, okay, so let's talk about Let's talk about then the financial aspects of this American dream that we're talking about here. Um, most people, then, if they're achieving the American dream, they're going to be able to sustain themselves financially, right? So, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, definitely. Perfect. All right. So, <laughs> it's a hard affirmative. What is, is that still available at this point in time? Able to support yourself financially? Yeah. I'm going to say, heck yes. Okay, what are you basing that on? Um, I'm going to base that on my own success to date. But what if you're one of those rare people, Mike, that is smarter than others and actually can get ahead because you're smart, you work harder than most, and you're able to support yourself and your family? Well, then I think I'm doing a really bad job then at succeeding. <laughs> If that's the case, <laughs> I don't. I don't think so, you know. But yeah, you have to look at, you know, the middle class, right? Uh, we've been talking about this, um, probably not on the podcast, but just you know, in general, about the middle class. Really, I don't want to say it doesn't exist. It does, obviously, but the the rich are definitely getting rich, and the poor are getting poorer. But that has something to do with, I think, about some uh, reason of, of Obama, first of all. Let's let's just say that right now. Obama had a lot to do with that. He doesn't think he does, but he did. Um, but if you look at it, we'll call it over the last, I don't know, 15 years, there really hasn't been a wage increase for the middle class. You know, it, and, and that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's data. That's hard fact there. So, you know... Is it still available with the cost of everything else going up, but the wages haven't gone up for anyone, really, except for, again, the ultra elites. And I would say even now the hourly workers are getting a big raise, but nobody in the middle seems to be. Um, so 
I mean, can you can you get ahead financially if you're still making, you know, thirty thousand dollars a year trying to support a family when prices of, of apartments are going up, prices of houses are going up, but you don't get a wage increase and haven't for fifteen years? Well, I think I think the answer to that is yes. I just and I think it just depends on you and your family's ability to sacrifice because I think at some and you know, I think you you personally have to decide on like what you're willing to do to achieve that. So if you have if you're in a two if you're in a like a two adult household, so a husband and a wife, or um, you know, with or without kids, either way, um, you know, if you if you're just depending on one person to to make that thirty thousand dollars, then yeah, you're probably gonna have a little bit more of a setback if you're having one person stay at home but if you're which it if you're like taking place then the more of the modern dynamic where both individuals are working if you're now you you can double your income now if you have children of course you have child care expenses and that's a little bit different scenario but with still with having both both people work you're increasing your income and that opens up different opportunities for you but and is also that- a lot of so much goes into this though like especially on financial terms like there's a whole component of you know living within your means and being able to save but you know <laughs> there's uh there's the american tendency as well to max out credit cards and accrue a lot of debt and that can be you know a, a, an obstacle to overcome if you're talking about the american dream in terms of buying a house or um, you know, saving for retirement or whatever the case may be. So, well, okay. So, on your point, um, a couple minutes ago, are, are so no one can be a stay-at-home parent anymore. Is that part of the dream, or is that just an effect that the crappy economy over the last twenty years has caused? And now, really, there is no possibility for you to stay at home, whether you be the husband or the wife. It doesn't really matter, you know, and be able to stay at home and raise your children. Is that not possible anymore because you're only making $35,000 a year? Well, I mean, again, I think it depends because, you know, if you, I mean, maybe you have to work more than one job. Maybe you have to work a, a day job and then you have to, you know, do something else in the evening. Maybe the person who stays at home can't just stay at home all day i mean because at a certain point kids go off to school and then you have a pretty wide range of time that you can do something with so maybe you know it's a part-time job and you know a full-time job i know you know that's i i think that's getting a little bit more into the weeds i think any i truly believe anything's possible it just depends on how bad you want it and what you're willing to do for it well, what are you willing to do for it? I mean, I, exactly. Yeah. That's my whole point. Like, you know, if if having if you're in a, you know, whatever, let's say the average American household of, you know, two parents and two kids, you know, if you're if you have to have one of those people stay home, are you willing to and you, and you're only bringing in 35,000 or is the other person who works willing to you know, go to work all day and then work a second job doing something at night. Uh, is is that happening, or is you have the one person working a full time job and then maybe the second person starts a business, a home based business to bring in some extra income? 
or maybe you know the person works a full-time job they have a part-time job and then there's a home-based business going on as well i mean there's so there's still so many opportunities and so many things you can do it's just what what are you willing to do so you just have to be flexible you've got a flexible american dream really right then i mean it's not an issue no but i think you just have to be open to options so maybe that's not an option for you um you know, maybe it's a matter of switching around, getting a better job, you know, getting more, pursuing different education. Hold on. But you just said get a better job or pursue more education. But student debt is crushing America right now. And I'm not for free college by any means, but it's crushing, I'll say, our generation to death, you know. So, yeah, but that's just because our generation is hooked on the idea that they have to take out student loans to go to school. That's why. They, it's not because that's the only way. It's because that's the only way that our, you know, our generation was a kind of brought up to think, and, and nobody explores any other options, whether it be getting a job. Um, a lot of companies offer some form and some level of tuition reimbursement or tuition assistance as a benefit. Um, I know a lot of companies do that. That you can get jobs without a college degree and work there and earn your degree over time. So you can not only be pulling in an income, but you can be going to college for free, essentially. Um, there's there's that situation. There's the situation where you work and you save money and go to school. Um, you can go work at a school and get tuition benefits. I mean, there's a host of options. It's just, it kind of, in my mind anyways, it goes back to the got to have it now culture. So, yeah, I got to have my college degree now because I'm 17 and this is what happens. So I'm going to go 60, 80, $100,000 into debt, whatever the case may be. And, you know, and maybe it's being more conscientious of in being a better consumer of college. So, yeah, no, I don't need to go to a private school. I'm going to go to community college and get my associates and then transfer to a state school. And being a better consumer. There's so many ways to do this. It doesn't have to be, I'm going to march myself down to, you know, <laughs> the financial aid office and just sign up for thousands upon thousands of dollars of debt in one go. Why not? It seems so much fun. Uh, yeah, that's why everyone's crying in the streets now. <laughs> Where's Looks like Bernie? a real good Where's time Bernie? just to throw a temper tantrum and ask everyone else's parents to pay for you. Well, it's not just everyone else's parents. It's everyone else, just period. Yeah, everyone else's parents, everyone. Yeah, you know what I mean. I do know what you mean, but hopefully our listeners did too. <laughs> so, all right. So, well, let's update. So, after what we've talked about so far, is the American dream dead now? Do we think that? I, I don't think it is. You don't? I'm sorry? You don't? No, I, I disagree. I don't think it's dead. Hold on. Who I'm said, I, who said I, I was against... What am I trying to say here, Mike? Who said I, I thought it was dead? Nobody nobody said that. You just you said you disagreed. me, so I answered. No, you just said you disagreed with me, but you haven't even heard my side yet, Mike. Well, I'll it's probably typical disagree. Mike over I here. I might disagree with you, but typical Mike. Disag- I disagree with the sentiment that the American <laughs> dream is dead. How about that? All right, that's better. But I still kind of think it's dead a little bit. Still kind of think it's dead a little bit. Um, but, you know, I mean... There are so many different things that, you know, if you're talking about, you know, obviously you got your life and your liberty. Um, that's, I guess the liberty part's kind of dwindling. Um, at least over the last eight years it has. We'll see what coming the next. Coming back. It's 
coming back around. Yeah, we'll see what the next four years um, kind of hold for us when trying to think about what's going to get, you know. Everyone's, li- everyone's liberty on all sides is increasing. You have the, the, the gay community being able to marry each other now. You're having the drug community getting legal legalized marijuana and open receptiveness to other sorts of drugs that have been previous, previously illegal um, with new classifications and therapeutic treatments and recreational purposes being explored. Uh, you're getting uh, a hand, like guns are experiencing a little bit more leeway when it comes to like, uh, you know, concealed carry and, and uh, more and more states exploring constitutional carry. Um, there's a lot going on right now. Well, I don't on the, think on I, the liberty front. I don't think guns are getting more. Um, well, I don't know what the hell I'm going to try to say here, but I'm I don't think they're getting attention. I, but I don't think it's easier to get a concealed carry license in in these states. Um, those laws haven't changed really. I mean, over the last however many years, they just haven't. A lot of I'm just saying that's one issue that's getting renewed attention and exploration. But is that the American dream? No. Or part of it? That's liberty. That's liberty for people being able to explore it in those areas that have been closed off. Yeah. Well, they're so still closed off, I would though, say and... liberty is not being recessive right now. It's kind of a, a newfound awakening in some respects. Those are all big issues for people and liberty issues, really. Well, how about we talk about health care, then? Can we talk about that a little bit in the uh, in the American dream? You can talk about part? whatever you want, Robert. This is our podcast. Hot damn, hot damn. All right, so health insurance then. You know, is it more affordable now? That's a question for you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> oh, posing that to me. Um, so obviously, Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act. I do like to try to be correct on the uh, on that. The Affordable Care Act really jacked things up, um, but I, I don't know. I can't really weigh in on that, to, to be honest with you, Robert, because I'm not I'm not extremely well versed on healthcare prices. I mean, obviously, we know that everything goes up in price over time, um, but the free market when it comes to healthcare definitely took a beating over the past eight years. That's for sure, and prices have skyrocketed. Well, yeah. As a matter of fact. Um you know, most most people in the U.S. get their health care usually from their employer, right? Employer-sponsored health care, right? Okay. So since, like, 2008, the health care costs have risen a, above 50% of what they were. And that is that is the employer-funded portion of health care costs. Right. 50%, which is nuts. Um, a but a, a normal household cost, if you don't get work, insurance or work-sponsored insurance has risen 73% since 2008. So it hasn't gone down. The Affordable Care Act has opened health care, I will say, to some people, the people that can't afford any care at all. And pretty much what it's giving them is just the, uh, the bare minimum, terrible deductible, catastrophic so, coverage that's what they're getting 
So do you do you have any data like how what is the price on that? Like if let's say you're below the poverty line and you know you qualify for the maximum government benefit under the Affordable Care Act and the maximum amount of subsidies. How how much are you paying for your health care in that situation? For an individual, um, I th- I don't have the exact data in front of me, to be honest with you. Um, but I did look through the exchanges um, a couple of years ago. Uh, and, like, personally for me, it was going to be somewhere between $450 and $500 a month for an, an individual. However, if – and this is, this is the site itself telling me this – if I made, I forget what it was, less than $28,000 a year, I was eligible for really kind of a reimbursement program or a, a discounted program um, through the exchanges. And it would have cost me somewhere between like 40 and $50 a month, which is a huge savings. You know, so again. So so about 50, 40, 40 or $50 a month would have been like... What you would, what your out-of-pocket expense would have been, yeah. just for monthly premiums. Though. Right, right. That would have been monthly premiums, and that wasn't a very good plan. So yeah, so obviously everyone's going to argue that that's affordable health care because who's going to say that's expensive? It's not. I mean, although it'd be interesting to look at it on a percentage of your income. With a five thousand dollar deductible, that's pretty freaking expensive still. Well, I'm just saying, like for out-of-pocket premiums, because I know when I when I graduated college before I started working part-time i had to get catastrophic coverage that's what i got um this was pre was it pre no it was not pre it was right after i think it was it was after the affordable care act got passed what but year it was before any of the um before it got implemented what year was so, it i'm sorry what year um it was 2009 yeah okay well that's true then just so checking it, your facts mike factcheck.org that's me dude i'm all over it <laughs> I uh, I got all the Piers Morgan out of my system. I'm good to good. go. Um, By the way, he's kind of so yeah. he's kind of leaning towards Trump these days. I don't know if you've noticed that or not, but he I've is. Been, well, yeah, I think he's I think he's tired of getting beat up by the his fellow libs. But anyway, go go back to your uh, health care and after college. Yeah, so I'm saying I had to get um I had to buy like catastrophic coverage um before I got a full time job before I had health care coverage through work. And I, I'm pretty sure my monthly premiums were around 200 bucks, something like that. So at that time, you know, and I, I wasn't making anything either. So, um, you know, but how can you not, blame these people for taking the, the free health care, you know, with a very, very highly discounted health care? Because if I was in that situation, I'd probably do the same damn thing. <laughs> Yeah, well, of course. Why wouldn't you? You need a, like healthcare. No one's gonna say like, "Oh, you should just forgo it completely." <laughs> like having health insurance is a bad idea. Don't worry about it. Like no one's gonna say that. Well, of course not. And if you qualify for those breaks, why would? Of course you would take them. Well, like, the people that that can afford healthcare though, that are forced to buy it now, um, certain they have got to have certain plans now. They can't just buy catastrophic anymore. They've got to have something else. And now, you know, these people are sitting there going, okay, so if I have a $1,250, um, uh, what do you call it, penalty? Premium. Well, I'm saying a penalty oh. from the IRS for not having health insurance. Or am I going to spend four to $5,000 a year on health insurance? Well, I'm healthy. What do I need health insurance for? I'll just pay the penalty. 
And that's what people have been doing. So they're not paying into the system, which right. is what this whole law depended on was people buying into healthcare even though they didn't need it. Well, I think generally people don't like being bullied into what you know, into doing something, which is essentially what the Affordable Care Act <laughs> well, the absolutely left, does with the individual mandate. The left absolutely loves being bullied into it by other libs. <laughs> but, you know, if it's if it's something just you know, stupid that somebody from the right or the middle would say to them, they all of a sudden they start protesting and burning things to the ground. Do you think if all of the, if every, if all of the kind of full effect of the Affordable Care Act had been in place um, prior to the 2012 election, do you think Obama would have got reelected? Um, it's hard to say, but I do think so. Yeah, I do think so because people, um, they're blind, they're dumb. You know, we talked about at the very beginning, can you be a part of the American dream? And I said, certain people can because they're smart. Well, certain people are not smart and they vote Democrat primarily. That's just the way it is. And they don't understand how the world works. They don't understand consequences of certain things. And obviously the Affordable Care Act had some pretty big consequences throughout the entire country when your premiums and everything else goes up that, you know, the, the median household, um, what am I, cost on healthcare is ninety. I think it's ninety two, ninety three hundred dollars. I think I read that somewhere, um, you know, this week or something like that. But ninety higher than. I think it's a lot higher than. That. You think so? That's an average, though. That's okay. average costs. I was going to say. I thought the. I thought I had heard the average was higher, but anyways, I don't want to stop you. Keep going. Well, it's it's still a increase from two thousand and whatever the hell it was eight. You know, when the average cost was in in the fours. You know, that's that's a big difference. So, yeah, you know, I, I don't know if this has anything to do with the American dream other than, <laughs> of course, healthcare well, we, being a nightmare. We we definitely got on a little bit of a tangent. But, no, the reason I asked you that question was just because I was personally, I was surprised how much the Affordable Care Act came into play with Trump's election. Um, you know, I, it, had, it, it had kind of quieted it had quieted down a little bit on like the Republican like battle cry front for a while. Um, so I was just kind of surprised. And when you would listen to people, you know, whether they be tweeting or Facebooking or uh, calling into call in radio or whatever the, you know, talk shows, whatever the case may be, it got brought up um, as a reason why they were voting for Trump. So I just, you know, I found that interesting. I, I can't remember seeing somebody saying they were voting for Trump. So where did you read this stuff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I was listening to different shows and and looking at different stuff. But were you that listening? Was always, that was always like one of the bigger reasons that people would would throw out for for Trump. It, it was uh, you know I think he's going to do something about the Obamacare and he's going to get it repealed and he's going to replace it with something better. We don't know what, but it's going to be better. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, be fantastic. It's going to be the best. You know, he's got the best things. He's just the smartest guy on the planet. And, it, yeah, it's going to get better. But right. um, will it? We'll see. I mean, obviously he was on the uh, on the TV not too long ago talking about repeal and replace and saying how it was going to be probably a year before any of that was even possible, which, mm -hmm. I mean, is true. I mean, most people think that, they're just going to vote on it and repeal it immediately. They're not going to repeal anything. Nothing. They're going to have to write law in order to replace it first. And they're going to have to then defund 
the current system and kind of write laws around it. Because obviously, Mike, you know this, to repeal something takes a two-thirds majority. They're never going to get that, ever, unless something already better is in place. Right. And what's and the thing that I find interesting is just like, I don't know. I think we, we've hinted on it before, but it's just like, you know, they're talking that they're going to keep the, uh, you know, stay on your parents' insurance till you're 26. We're going to keep the pre-existing conditions. Pre-existing conditions is another big reason that the, that the you know, bill shot way up on American health care. But is it, though? I mean, think about this, though. There's a lot of people with pre-existing conditions that work for companies that provide insurance as a benefit, um, myself being one of them. You know, I, I never would be able to afford a personal plan, I'll say pre-ACA, but I've never needed it. I was either on my parents until I was whenever the hell old I was. Then I got a real job. Right. And then after that... People started paying my insurance and my, you know, my actual premiums were either taken care of completely by the company. I do miss that, by the way. And that's another yeah. another thing that kind of threw a whole kink in the system was when all of the employer's costs went up by 50%. That means that now the company that I worked for, this was probably, I don't know, um, close to seven or eight years ago at this point. Uh, the company that I worked for paid it 100%, paid all your premium for it. You had zero cost. It's almost unheard of these days. Well, it is unheard of these days. Nobody does that anymore. But as soon as 2009 hit, right, 2010 hit, guess what? Boom. You guys have to start paying your own. And it wasn't, the premiums weren't big. They were still small. They were like 50, 60 bucks a month for an individual, which was pretty good but they were still picking up the other part of that tab, right. you know? And had and that's the thing a lot of people don't realize, too, about when they are when they are covered with employer health insurance. You know, most of the times, the employer is still picking up a, a good percentage of that. Yeah, it's a huge percentage, a huge percentage. So thank God some of these people are still doing that. Um, but, you know, that's why pre-existing condition thing for a lot of people didn't matter. Because your your company, when you get hired, gives you whatever it is. It's like a 90-day. Some, some employers do it where it's, you know, you're covered 90 days after you join the company because you've got a little trial period or whatever they want to call it to make sure they're going to keep you. But some employers, like my previous one, it was day one. You were covered day one, no questions asked, you know. So if more people got jobs like that, um, you know, maybe we wouldn't have had a health care crisis. Or if it was still, you know, <laughs> reasonable for employers to provide that kind of coverage. Exactly, and it was and a it was a great it was a great plan. My my prescriptions were very very cheap. Did you, you know, get to keep your doctors? Um, you know what? I did get to keep my doctors because again, I've I've never been on Obamacare ACA stuff. It's uh, I've always had the insurance from from work, um, and it's been nice. So I've always gotten to choose my doctor. Always been on a PPO plan, never the HMO plan, because those are nightmares as well. Well, you're one of the smarter 1%, so... I'm not a 1%, Mike. That's why. Not a 1%. You're one of the, the academic 1%. If, if I was a 1%, I probably would have retired already. <laughs> but in reality, if you think about that, you know, that's probably another thing you could say American Dream is dead wise, because there aren't any real retirements anymore, are there? 
You're going to have to elaborate on that because... By the time you and I are 65, retirement's not going to exist. I'm retiring well before 65. I don't know about you, but... I'm not. I will not be able to retire before I'm 65. I can tell you that right now. You know, I mean, my, my father retired a few years ago. I think your father retired a few years ago as well. Yeah. Yep. You know, and I think your father is younger than mine. Maybe. Mine, I think, is... This is terrible. I think mine <laughs> is going to turn 68 this year. Yeah, so he's a, he's a couple of years younger. I don't really know how old my dad is, but he's a few years younger. You know, and my dad retired last year, you know, so... He waited. He's loving it though, isn't well, he? Well, of course. Why wouldn't he? He's retired. Yeah. I would. I would love to be retired right now. But living the dream. You know, he waited. I mean, he could, he probably could have retired a little bit later, but with all of the the wonders of medicine, you know, people are living a lot longer than they used to. They're having, you know, when retirement age level, we'll call it was sixty five, people were dying in their seventies and eighties. Now people are dying well into their nineties. You know, which is another thing that is strangling the healthcare system and Social Security. You know, so are we going to be able to retire? I mean, in that situation, no, I don't think we will be. I really don't think we'll be able to retire. I don't think you'll be able to retire if you're counting on Social Security. Well, who's going to count on Social Security? It's not going to exist in 10 years. Well, that's what I'm saying. I I think as long as you're, uh, you know, planning ahead, like there's no reason why you can retire. But it, it just boils down to it always boils down to like the choices you make and the lifestyle that you want to live and how you're able to basically accept your own personal responsibility for your choices. Well, I want to live in Trump Tower right next to the Donald. That's where I want to live. Then you probably got a little bit of work to do. Pr- probably. <laughs> I got a lot of work to do. A lot of it. So much so that I'm going to need 650 years to be able to afford a penthouse (laughs) apartment in Trump Tower. Got to get hustling, man. That's not possible. That's just not possible. So get the let out. (laughs) But you think? I mean, you think it's possible though for us to really, really retire in our 60s? Yeah, I'm going to retire well before my 60s. Okay, so let's say us. So we might be able to retire in our 60s. What about these other idiots that are protesting right now that are obviously they don't have jobs, so they've got no income? Are they going to be able to retire? I don't know. Whoever's paying them to protest might put them up in a home somewhere. (laughs) I don't think that's how that's working. There's not a group home for protesters? There is, and it's, it's called a halfway house after they get out of prison for inciting riots. That's where it should be. So basically, yes, they'll have a retirement because we'll be paying their prison bill. Well, I guess <laughs> that's question. true. Uh, you know what? Uh, that's a that's a fair point, Mike. Good for you. <laughs> Good for you. You know. So I don't know. I, I'm still up in the air about this whole thing, but you know, I, I think the American dream is possible. I don't necessarily think it's dead, but it's it's getting harder. I honestly, I don't think. I kind of don't think it's any harder than before. In fact, I think it's easier than ever. But I think I think we'll have to revisit that in a part two. Well, like, why is it? Hold on. Well, let's let's just give a sneak preview then. Why <laughs> is it easier now than it used to be? I I would argue yes. But why? Because everything today is more accessible for everybody than it ever has been. 
and there's no way you can deny that across every racial group across every you know citizenship group status um across every like economic status like there is so much you have so much access to everything now whether it for free even you can go anyone can go to a, a library and use the internet for free and right there you have wide open access to literally the world at your fingertips hmm. i'm just saying that that's never happened the way it is right now and we have twitter and we have facebook and we have instagram and podcasts that's right you're just getting you're getting the blueprint from us we're like jay-z right now (laughs) well you know what i mean that's that's a really good point and i'm glad you made it right there i'm I'm saying that we could explore that in more depth but that's my whole that's where it hinges on everybody has access to that there's nobody there's nobody really that can't without um with with just a minimal degree of effort get to some internet and have access to all kinds of education for free. Wow. So what you're saying is that the whole free education thing that Bernie was trying to push, we don't really need in order to succeed. Is that what you're telling me? I'm sorry, that we don't need free education from Bernie Sanders? Correct. We don't need that in order to succeed. No, we don't. Well, hot damn, we just solved the world in 40 minutes. That's what's up. Do we get a Nobel Prize, too, when Obama got one? We do, and then we're going to go kite sailing with Richard Branson. It's going to be <laughs> awesome. Uh, no, thanks. No, thanks. You know, there was this one time I was on a boat. I won't tell you when it was, <laughs> but it was like the perfect storm. We almost all died. Do you remember that, uh, Mike? <laughs> the SS Minnow. I remember it well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I haven't been on a boat since. Uh Man, I have. It's good times. Yeah. I'm going to get you back out on one, too. We're going to get some marlin in Florida someday. It's going to be great. No thanks. No oh, thanks. Yeah. Unless you can shoot a marlin with an AK-47 or an <laughs> AR-15. I think you can. I'm out. I think you can. You're in international waters. You can do whatever you want. No, actually, you can't. No? No. No. You can gamble and drink whatever you want, so I would have just assumed like guns would be. No, that's why a lot of these, uh, these uh, vessels get pirated. Because they're really not allowed to have guns on board. I saw Captain Phillips. Like, those dudes were armed to the teeth. The the pirates were. So were the guys on the ship. What? No. I didn't see the the movie. They all had, like, little, like, AR-15s or whatever, but I forget what happened. Something happened. (laughs) They still got taken over. (laughs) Something happened. Of course something happened. It always does when you get pirated, and then all of a sudden the U.S. Navy has to come help you. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, you want to make you want to you want to make some money? Go be a security guard on a on a on a merchant marine ship. There you go. No, absolutely I, not. High risk, high reward. It's uh, come on. <laughs> you don't really believe that. You're full of shit. Yes, I believe that. I believe that you get paid more for taking greater risks. It's called hazard pay. But that's not really a risk. The risk of of being overrun by Somali pirates? If I have an M60 or an M249, no pirate is going to get on my boat. (laughs) I can promise you that. Well, we've established that you are the podcast gun expert, and I don't think anyone would test your skill with a weapon, so... I don't see how anybody would think... You know what? And this is obviously for another time. We probably should end this pretty soon. But (laughs) if I... If there was a gun on board, okay, 
and let's you know what let's call it two or three because usually one or two pirate vessels I would think right I mean you're gonna they're gonna they're gonna work in teams as well if you have two security guys with automatic weapons how in the hell do these guys ever board I don't know it's a great question you know because all you have to do is fire 30 rounds of these guys you think they're gonna keep coming they're gonna turn around <laughs> I would you hope know? so you would think you would just take a bazooka and then you could just blow up their little pirate boat too well, I guess I guess you could do that, but I don't I don't get pirating. I just flat out don't get how people get pirated. If that makes sense. How they get you know? swashbuckled? How do they get on? I mean, how do, really? How do they get on board? If you have automatic weapons, there is no reason anybody should be able to get on board ever. Uh, maybe we should see if we can get Captain Phillips on for an interview. Wasn't he an alcoholic or something? Oh, he can have a beer while we talk to him. I don't mind. Yeah, but is he going to have like six scotches in a span of 25 minutes? Because that's not going to do us very much good. I might if I survived a pirate, like, <laughs> takeover. <laughs> <laughs> and a Tom Hanks movie at the same time. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, that movie's got to be keeping him in scotch, though. <laughs> <laughs> Royalties. Yeah. Not, <laughs> and not, and not, the, not the cheap stuff. <laughs> no, the good stuff. Right. The 36-year stuff, Mike single malt <laughs> <laughs> all right so well let's let's end it here that was a that was a good talk american, american dream. dream is over now <laughs> no it's not it's it's alive and well but the podcast about it is definitely over part one of the podcast is over there you go part two coming at you sometime soon i think we should come up with an llmp blueprint for the american dream in 2017 america don't be an idiot blueprint done boom that was a short that was a short podcast, damn it. Step one. We'll revisit step two <laughs> on episode three. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So follow us on Twitter at LL and P Podcast and spelled out. And also SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, website. Mike, what's the website? LLPpodcast.com. Rate and review our, our uh, episodes, too. We'd appreciate it. And Mike is going to start writing some blog posts soon on the website, so stay tuned for that as well. Look out for that. And for all of us, I mean two of us, on the LLNP podcast, we appreciate you guys sticking around with us for this 40-minute or so podcast, and we will see you next week. <laughs>